Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the Low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello, Lorenzo. We are at the tail end of the week of uh, Emmy's Week. And seriously, no complaints here. It, But it has been a crazy month for red carpet. Uh, stop. All through the summer when things were pretty dire, August was just bad, bad. It was one of the worst Augusts we've seen since, well, I mean, lockdown was pretty bad. Anyway, all through August, I kept saying, Lorenzo, there's so much coming in in September with the Venice Film Festival, Toronto Film Festival, VMAs, Emmys, but even then we weren't prepared for the onslaught. I thought the Venice Film Festival was kind of like, I I thought they had more stuff than usual. I don't know. Oh, they did. It was in the weeks leading up to the festival. uh, There were all these articles like in the Hollywood Reporter and stuff that it was unusually star packed. Right. And I don't know. I think you can see a lot of this as a sort of um, releasing of the floodgates of, of material that was stopped up by the um true you know a lot of films had their releases pushed way back and then other films had so there's just this backlog of prestige films that are coming out right now which is fine by us but it was crazy we had just gotten back and then boom yeah yeah. so um uh we for instance i really wanted to do another costume post on house of the dragon this week and because we had so much coverage to do it just really couldn't happen we are doing one next week we're going to talk about house of the dragon today we're we're a little we're 5 days behind on the episode which kind of sucks i'm sorry like i said that's that, that was the emmys that's we're, why we yeah we're, we're trying so to late, do these yeah. uh, ep, you know these house of the dragon episodes a little earlier in the week so they're a little more timely but um this week we got pushed back by the Emmy. So sorry about that. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about um, what I, we must have gotten 50 messages over the last week. Oh, my God. Can't wait till the podcast this week. Be uh, So we're going to talk about the death of Queen Elizabeth, which if you were listening to last week's podcast, she was still alive and fading away while we were recording but we had to we were like well by the time this episode drops she might not be here and sure enough i think pretty much by the time the episode dropped she was gone um and officially (laughs) officially i it wasn't my automatic thought to have a podcast about it i sometimes i think we talk too much about the royals and i don't know what people want having said that i think our royals podcasts tend to be our more popular ones right well people do love the family yeah i mean they love to talk about the family so i'm a little sorry because we just did a whole megan thing like two weeks ago but we are going to devote quite a bit of time today to talking about a lot of stuff not just the megan and harry it's actually the megan and harry stuff is the least interesting part of what's been going on the last week um the one thing that i'm really charged to talk about is um, the response to um, the various members of the various diasporas from the British Empire uh, uh, to the Queen's death, like uh, um, in Ireland, in in uh, the Caribbean, in India and Pakistan, and even in, and in the countries that people emigrated to, like America, where people were just going nuts. Um, and in not what we would call a reverent way over the Queen's death. And there was a lot of backlash and a lot of discussion about this, and I want to talk about that. But also want to talk about what Charles' plans are, what, what William and Kate's right. plans are. We have lots to unpack there. But let's let's do um, House of the Dragon House first. of the Dragon. And, you know, on another week, I might have said, let's skip that episode because we have so much to talk about with the Queen. But this was a really 
formative episode, I think. It really pushes the story in a certain direction where, mm-hmm. I mean, we all kind of knew that was where it was going, but it's like, all right, now we're into it. We're into Targaryen incest. We're into some real court intrigue um, with actual repercussions to it because e- even by the end of this episode, they are still doing table setting. Uh, I tend right. to consider everything with the teenage versions of these two women to be table setting. And it won't really feel to me like the story's kicked off until we start seeing the adult actresses who were cast. That's true. But they're, they're so good. at they're what, so, they It's not good. a complaint. No, yeah. it's not a complaint. They're very good actors. And uh, I do, I mean, once you accept the slow pace, it's just going to be there forever, apparently. <laughs> um, once you accept that, you enjoy the scenes, you enjoy the dialogue. Right. And, and the actors are, you know, most of them are very good. Right. Um, and they deliver, and you appreciate the dialogue, and you, and you, you appreciate where the story is going, uh, combined with the sets and the lighting and all that. I just love it. I mean, it's the kind of show that you just sit and relax and enjoy the dialogue. It's dark, of course. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the rings of power, but... Um, Knowing what I know about where the story goes, I I actually do appreciate how much time they are meticulously setting up Alicent and Rhaenyra's relationship. They are going a little fast in the beginning now, I think. I mean, they are doing these time yeah. leaps, but they're still basically teenagers or young women. They're split, right. So it hasn't been more than seven or eight well, years Well, they get time. married when they're 16, so... <laughs> right. Um, um, but... I do think they're doing a very good job of just unpacking the highs and lows of Rhaenyra's and Allison's troublesome, problematic relationship. And this was sort of another notch in their history because, um, you know, Rhaenyra lied, lied. I know, my God. Boldly lied to Alicent on the uh, on the on her mother's name, which just tells wow. you how corrupt she really is. They, I mean, Targaryens <laughs> are just terrible people. And um, Rhaenyra wound up getting her father, getting uh, Alicent's father removed from the court, which is, as we'll see in the days to come, um, he was her only real ally there. And she is in serious trouble without her father there. Um, Which was a great scene, by the way. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Reese. I forget his name. The actor mm-hmm. that plays uh, Order Hightower. He is so good. Mm-hmm. He, you know, his expression when he's pretty much fired. Right. Um, it, the whole thing was very good, and and the king, as usual. I mean, uh, also played very well. Um, it's Patty Considine. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, sometimes I get annoyed with him, but he does such a good job of playing like the dumb, clueless king sometimes. Right. And anyway, the, the scene with the two of them was very good. So um, the episode opens with Damon returning from the Stepstones, a victorious and crowned king, and he saunters into the throne room at the Red Keep um, uh, wearing a crown, which is really pretty much high treason. (laughs) But it's a very dramatic scene because he kneels before the king and takes his crown off, um, and he also drops his his axe on the floor and says, add it to the chair, because it's one of the many weapons that is now makes up that actual Iron Throne. Um, it's a cocky scene, um, but of course that character is cocky as hell. Um, and I want to say they they fixed his wig. They gave him a shorter haircut, and it looks much, it looks much so better. much better now, yeah. Him, yeah. And, and this is a good point uh, time to point out that um, it does feel like the aesthetic of the show is kicking into gear a little bit better. Those first few episodes were rough. Right. And uh, we did a costume post on the first two episodes and talked about reasons why the costuming might, might be seem a little... 
And some of that came down to seasonal stuff. And I think as we'll see... Because they were younger. Because they were young. And you'll see that they, as these two women gain more and more control and power in the court and in their own lives, their costumes start becoming more and more elaborate. However, I also feel like the production team is getting their feet under them right, and right, they're right. starting to figure out how to make people look more rich and regal and powerful. Um, and it's the same thing with the wigs. I think slowly but surely they're figuring out the wigs a little bit better and, and Matt Smith looks much, much better when he's in short hair rather than the legless hair. So Damon comes home. Oh, and we should mention that um, Rhaenyra has been gone for two months on a tour Looking for him. <laughs> looking for uh, suitors. She's, yeah. You know, in- interviewing suitors. And it has been a deeply um, humiliating experience for her and a boring experience for her. However, here's something I want to unpack. The thing about Game of Thrones, when it was at its best is as a TV show, is that it was causing you to root for or root against people that didn't necessarily subscribe to your moral code. Like... Um, when Joffrey gets killed, uh, you everybody cheered watching that 13-year-old boy choke yes, to death. You yes. know what I mean? The way the show <laughs> screws with your moral code. Right. So what I want to say is, of course, of course, Rhaenyra is operating in a horribly exploitive um, uh, social environment where she doesn't really have as much power as the men around her. In fact, she has very little power. As she says to damon who later tries to just tell her just just get married it's just a political thing and she's like no for women it's a death sentence so all of that is very true and from my 21st century perspective i'm like yes you go girl you're doing exactly the right thing on the other hand in the context of where she's living and who she is there's hard to deny that she's acting like a bit of a brat um this is the system. You knew right. this was the system, and um, you are going to benefit like nobody else from this system. And actually, I think Damon tries to get her to understand right, that. Right, like, right. yeah, sure, sure, this all sucks and everything, but you're going to sit on the Iron Throne if you do everything that you're yeah, told. Yeah, it's very much like the royal family now. <laughs> you want once, well, this is a very royal <laughs> episode. Once, once you accept, you know what you have to do to get. Yeah, at some point. Um, then yeah, but and as we saw this episode, which is this is what I really think the episode was about, was in its own way, it was about Rhaenyra coming to the realization of how much of her moral code she's willing to bend or break to maintain that hold on power. Um, because yes, you could say the lying and everything was a way of protecting herself because she would she was an amazing amount of trouble. At, you know, of course she would lie to get herself out of it, but she. She coldly lied to her best friend and only ally on the name of her mother, which is, that's telling you something about where she is morally right, and right. ethically. So, um, while you want to sit on her side and say, yes, girl, yes, this is exploitive as hell. Right, on the right. other hand, you will do anything to hold on to that power, as we are clearly right. being told here. So, that's all I want to say. She's complicated in the same way Daenerys was complicated and Cersei was complicated. They both turned out to be evil queens in the end, and that is sort of a cliche that maybe the show needs to try and avoid. But um, it, it, they did try and unpack why these women were the way they were, what had forced them into these roles. Uh, so I, I think this is a little bit more of the same, and that's why the show is starting to feel more and more like Game of Thrones to me, even though there's 
it's really just a succession drama. Right. Whereas Game of Thrones was more than that. I do like the, the fact that they show these two women having sex and having di- completely different situations, you know, in terms of what they right. accept, what they agree with, and what if they're enjoying or not their, exactly. their, their sexual experience. And, and the consequences, which is very interesting because, you know, she's independent. She's free to have sex with whoever she wants. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. There's but, serious repercussions. Yeah, but then she has all these consequences. You know, right. all these, you know, uh, as... As opposed to Allison, who clearly not enjoyed has any of no, that. Has no agency. Um, yeah. And this was not something Game of Thrones was good at unpacking. Uh, women in sex scenes were basically uh, receptacles. Um, and they didn't have, seem to have a lot of agency. And sex was not... Um, I don't think sexual politics were were unpacked right. in Game of Thrones. For, for the amount of sex scenes that the show had, they didn't really unpack sexual politics all that well. It was a, a way to show, you know, guys banging whores and giving, you know, uh, uh, away their war plan or whatever. You know, it was always scenes like that. But it, there was a very deliberate scene. And I should note that this episode was written by a woman and directed by a woman. Uh, and Game uh, of Thrones was famous for having way too many men on their, on their team. Um, it showed the difference between a woman right. who um, has no agency in sex, which was Allison, uh, and a woman who um, enjoys and is trying to seek it out, which is Rhaenyra. The reason why Damon... Um, and I mean, yes, it's gross. He's her uncle. I'm not really rooting for these two to get together. But the reason why Damon abandoned her in the flesh pits or whatever they called the sex houses was because she started taking the initiative in the sex. Um, and we saw that in the opening episode where Mizara right. got on top of him and he didn't like it. He clearly, you know, he he loses his heart on when the girl tries to um, have any sort of agency being charged. So there's a lot yeah. of points about sexual politics being in this atmosphere that's being unpacked, along with the points about women being, you know, wombs, just receptacles for royal right. heirs. Um, and all of that makes the show deeper and more interesting in a lot of ways than Game of Thrones, even though the story is much, much smaller. Um, so I really liked this episode. I've already seen most of the next episode. I kind of got cut off. I was watching the screener last night, and it it cut out because screener sites are such a pain in the ass, and I don't expect anyone listening to this to shed a tear for me. No, and I don't blame you. But I did see most of the next episode, and... um, you know the repercussions of all of this is, is going to come come. It's none of this stuff is happening in a vacuum. Everything is being set up to be to be part of a larger story. I thought it was extremely, maybe not uh, subtle, but in fact you could call it heavy-handed. But when the Grandmeister came into Rhaenyra's room yeah. at the end of the episode to basically give her abortion tea in case she got pregnant um, by that, her father, that no, by her <laughs> uncle. Oh, oh, it was her uncle. I thought it was her father. Oh, anyway, I'm confused. All right. No, Rhaenyra's... Yeah. All right, sorry. I thought her father sent... Uh, oh, no, no, no. You're you're confusing me now. Yes, the, I thought you meant that she slept with her father. No, no, no. God, no. No, her father sent Grandmaster with the... Yes, of course. The abortion. Maybe the Grandmaster said that, but actually I don't find that guy trustworthy oh, at all. that's a very good point. Yeah, but actually, yeah, his father, her father was, he was appalled yeah. and he wanted to make sure that... And I mean, t- it, again, this whatever, but it takes away our agency and I, we can argue about all that. But uh, in the system that they live in, he's actually right. If she got pregnant, uh, unmarried, it would ruin her chances of, you know, being on the throne or whatever. And they 
and that is that they don't even know that she actually had sex well with that's her. the irony of it is that she didn't have sex with damon even though she did lie to allison though because she claimed all they did was drink and, and it was like well no your pants were down and you two were kissing so right. it was going there um but she i, I don't necessarily think and i do know where the story goes but i don't necessarily think rhaenyra sexually wants damon all that much she is fascinated by him and she's uh you know his his sense of self and his mm-hmm. sense of power and the way he moves through the world i think that fascinates her but she's hot for sir Kristen cole like that i thought was more obvious that she was willing to go there with damon because this was adventurous this was a learning experience and she does find him interesting right but the one she really wanted was Sir Kristen Cole. I thought, and I thought they did a very good job showing them having sex. Not that, you know, um, sex scenes are not usually interesting. Cause right. They, they, sometimes they're boring. But anyway, my point is that they did a very good job uh, taking the time to undress him, to take everything off. The, well, that that's was, an interesting point that was that interesting. about how... And usually you see scenes like historical dramas and stuff like that where it's the woman who is being undressed. Right, and right, we right. Show, yes, we see the yes, skirts yes. and the crinolines and everything that she has to wear underneath it and this time it was him so this was very much a female gaze take on sex yes. which is why the episode stands out i mean the sexual politics are abhorrent but there's they're actually unpacking the right. fact that they're abhorrent sexual i mean politics. he had so much on that that was actually kind of erotic and, it was erotic and, and, yeah because i was like that is so cool he's taking everything yeah. off and he's taking time <laughs> yeah it was a great scene um i don't know what she thinks is going to come out of this i think she's She's being very reckless and foolish well, right yeah, now. as usual. Um, but, you know, she's also pushing against a very restrictive system. And again, though, on the other hand, like, again, the morality of this. Yeah, but she's got to she's doing this in the pursuit of ultimate power. So how you know, in the end, you really couldn't root for Daenerys, even though you spent eight seasons or whatever rooting for her. In the end, they turned the tables on the viewer and said, no, she's actually terrible terrible um and the signs were there all along and i think this time they're just not being coy about it like yes rhaenyra's pretty awful everybody's awful everybody's kind of awful um alicent isn't awful yet but you can kind of see how the where she's being pushed it'll be very interesting to see how she reacts to her father being right you know right. sent away and what becomes of her standing in the court and everything but um I don't know. I think that's basically all that I wanted. Is Were there any other points you wanted about this episode? I, I really I, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Visually, it was beautiful. I like that they have the mummers uh, play. You know, they, they, I love when they do I that. I do that. I love them because, you know, and the fact that the, the actors are all men. They, had, they right. were men at the time. So There is no at the time. Well, at the time in my head. Yeah, there is no at the time. <laughs> oh, please stop it. Anyway, dragon. back then, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I love that because that's how they, as we talked, as we were watching the episode, um, that's how they got their news and information and discussed whatever political or social issues were going on at the time. So, yeah. I agree. You know what else I love? Yes. My every plate meal kit. Segway, yeah. right? I'm so good at that. Fall is finally here, which means back to routine, back to busy schedules, and back to the best time-saving hack for weeknight dinners, every plate. If you think meal kits are too expensive, think again. Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Don't turn to takeout when things get hectic. Instead, get every plate delivery. It's 58% cheaper than your average fast casual meal, and you can always feel good about what you're eating. Every plate's quality ingredients come pre-proportioned to help you save money and reduce food food waste you know like that bag of spinach lorenzo throws out every week for real for real he really does he really really does um except for when we're on an every plate meal plan 
So get exactly what you want. Now you can swap proteins and sides or add a protein to a veggie dish to crush every craving. Get everything you need for the week delivered at the same time with new extras to complement your weekly order. Get extras like vanilla delight cheesecake, sweet kale salad, garlic bread, and protein bundles to help take things up a notch. Every plate delivers so much bang for your buck so you can save valuable time and money on meal prep and enjoy more space in your schedule for the more important things in your life. So... Get your first box for just $149 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO149. That's your first box for just $149 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO149. E-V-E-R-Y-P-L-A-T-E.com. In case my Philadelphia accent made it hard to understand, everyplate.com. Thank you, Everyplate. That's up to a $110 value. They're awesome. I mean, the fact that you, you, you try things that you know you might not want to try because you don't have the, the ingredients they give you everything i agree um uh, I, okay so do we have anything else about house of the dragon i no, think I'm, that I'm makes enjoying. a nice cutoff point i i am enjoying it uh i'm also enjoying the rings of power but we're not going to talk about that because i just dropped a three thousand word yes. uh, recap of the latest episode but more and more it's very clear that these shows are going in different directions they're trying to do different things uh the rings of power is pure high fantasy right and um uh house of the dragon is going for a darker more nuanced succession drama in a more medieval sort of I atmosphere totally and, and- I think both shows are great. I think they are offering different things. I agree. And and the numbers keep going up for House of the Dragon. It's doing so. quite well. Yeah. They're doing well. So. As far as I know, Rings of the Power Rings of Power is doing well, but I who knows with streamers and Amazon and all that. Okay. In, as and now moving on to the next succession drama. Big drama. Big succession drama, although there's really no drama here because um, what happened this week is what everyone spent the last 70 years or so preparing for. Um, I have to say it's bigger than I expected. I knew it was going to be big, but it's it's just, I mean, that's all everyone talks about. Well, I mean, let's go right to what uh, we made this point, I think, last week when we talked briefly about it, which is that regardless of what else you can say about the queen, um, the length of her service, the length of her tenure, there is... There are very, very few people alive on the planet who have any memory of a time when she wasn't queen. She was a constant on the world stage going back to our grandparents' days. You know what I mean? Um, So the length makes her just makes the the, her passing important or significant because uh, a major longstanding figure who is stood in for tradition. She actually, her whole point was tradition. Right. Um, is now gone. And what happens to all those traditions when the exemplar of it isn't there anymore? Um, so yes, I'm not surprised about the... Um, Coverage, I guess? I'm not. I'm not surprised. There is no... I tried to think. I'm like, well, sort of like when a pope... No, it's not like when a pope dies. Popes are only popes for at most 15 or 20 years. 70 years. There's nobody. There's a president, a pope, there's, right, and right. even other kings and queens. Most of them haven't served that length of time. Not only just the figure, but the effect that the whole family had has had, you know, in the entire world. So I guess it makes it even bigger because yeah. Yeah, 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 you yeah. have the people appreciating her for whatever she was, and then others who have hated her for many years. So, As yeah. we noted at the top of the episode, the um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the response to the diaspora from the British Empire. And what I think is, for me, what is really interesting about it is that uh, it is the first time in my life, 
I never ever thought of myself this way. Um, as a member of the Irish diaspora, as someone who, it, it, let me explain something. When uh, I was thinking about this all week long, when Belfast, the movie came out, we talked about it on this yeah. podcast. And one of the things I said was I had to remove myself from that story pretty quickly because um, that kid who played him looked so much like me at that age that it was actually jarring in the first couple of shots. And then the movie started unfolding and I had this sort of, unpacking of my thoughts as an Irish American. And we talked about this, the tendency of some Irish Americans to overstate their connection to the home country. Um, and I grew <laughs> up in a household where, you know, up the IRA and everything like we were, uh, my father was just very much in support of the IRA and that sort of thing. Um, but watching that movie, I was like, you know what? This has nothing to do with my life. I'm an American. I didn't grow up in Belfast during the Troubles. Right, right, I, right. I shouldn't identify with this. Um, and I can remember having um, debates, let's call them, with my father, where uh, because I felt he over-identified. You, know, you were born in this country. Right, you can get right. angry about this stuff, but this is not happening to you. Um, and the point I made to him in, in several of these discussions was that, you know, we live in a country where there's ridiculous exploitation right, and right. inequality. If you're going to get mad, get mad about the country you live in instead of devoting all your time getting mad about, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the English. <clears throat> right. But I think with your father, not to get into a lot of details, it had a lot to do with his father. You're, he because was, he came directly from Ireland. Yeah, my father was first-generation Irish. Which he, he grew up in a household with a father who had an Irish accent. Exactly. Who grew up in Ireland and who told him, at least, that he fled Ireland because the British were after him now that could have been because he was doing rebellion stuff or he could have been some sort of petty criminal which i would not have put past him my grandfather i'll be very honest here drank himself to death by the time my father was a teenager i never knew the man but um if you are grew up in a family with alcoholism if you were children of alcoholics then you understand that that stuff reverberates and has a, a hold on your life in ways that are large and small i will also mention i don't want to get too much into my family history but there was alcoholism on my mother's side as well my mother's side of the family is also irish she is second generation irish her grandparents were from ireland I don't entirely know their story. They came here in the 1890s or so. Um, it could have been famine-related because the famine went on for 25 years. Um, uh, most of the Irish diaspora that came to America came because either there was um, brutal exploitation going on uh, or they were starving and there were no economic opportunities for them. And I grew up in a family that... Um, Everything was the English's fault. You know what I mean? And I <laughs> I um I just poo-pooed the whole thing like, oh yeah, whatever, I guess. But actually this week, I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound really brutal. As someone who writes about Catherine and Megan and the royal family all the time, this might sound a little shocking to some of you, but uh the morning that uh, before we recorded our podcast last week, in fact, well, I got on my text, the text chain with my siblings, and I just informed them because we tend to hear news way before that anybody because we're, we're on social glued media. to the computer. And I said, FYI, the queen is on her deathbed, and all I can think about are the gleeful texts we would be getting from dad right now. And everyone LOL'd and put a little heart on it and everything. And maybe that sounds terribly brutal to you, but he probably would have. <laughs> and I'm telling you this story because there was this. Um, enormous backlash to people were getting on social media and it wasn't just Irish people. It was, you know, a Caribbean people, people from, you know, whose family came from Kenya. It was Indian and Pakistani people like the, Brit the sun never set on the British empire, which means it was vast and it affected 
people all over right. the world right. and it displaced people and put people in economic hardship and it brutalized people. This is not an opinion. It is a fact of history. And this stuff was still going on as late as Elizabeth's reign. Her reign was so long that she actually was queen while certain things were going on, like the uprising in Kenya in 19, which might have been just before she became queen. Even so, to hold her up as a figure who is, she is a figurehead of tradition of the British, you know, royalty and the family and the traditions of England. You can't hold her up as an exemplar of those things and then claim that she is completely removed from all the bad parts of British history. She actually is involved in it. She actually is someone who benefited from all of that stuff in a manner most people didn't. Right. She's Even got, if- she had vaults full of jewelry that came from all the oh empires yeah. that her people, her family That they're conquered. still wearing. You know, exactly. like like nothing happened. And, you know, there's a lot. There's racism. There's slavery. There's so much. If you go back in history, right. I mean, they they touch pretty much everything that and never fixed it, never apologized for it directly. Barely ever addressed yeah, it. Yeah, never addressed it or barely. Um, and it's still going on. I mean, exactly. There's a lot of hurt feelings. And all I'm saying here is um, I, I don't sit here and blame the queen for everything that ha- that the British Empire did. Um, and I do think that she is m- more ineffectual than effectual. Mostly, she, there wasn't much that she, whatever. I'm not defending her. But um, I also feel that everybody who expressed glee at her death, they were singing Lizzie's in a box in a stadium in Dublin, which I'm sorry I laughed my ass off at it because there's nothing more. Ir- that is so Irish. I can't even tell you how Irish right, that is. Right. Um, and I think there. You have to let those people do that. You have. Right. Uh, you. Uh, not everyone feels great reverence toward this family, and there's a good. There's a right. million good reasons why that would be so. Um, yes, I mean they're celebrating her death, but at the same time they're celebrating uh, the change, uh, the institution, everything. Um, or they're no. just happy to see something bad happen to people <laughs> they hate. And you know what? Let them do it, for God's sake. They killed their... Gra- As I said to someone, someone on Twitter was saying that she had no idea that Irish Twitter could be so brutal. And I tweeted what? back. I was like, yeah, 800 years and a lot of dead grandfathers. Like, yes, yes. Trust me. It's a thing. Yes. And I also want to note, I have family friends who live in the north of Ireland, not that far from Belfast, and they were posting tributes to the Queen on their Facebook page. page you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Pages this week. So it's complicated. Like, it's not... I knew people from the north of Ireland who came here to work for, for a couple of years and thought my family's love of thing like like rebel songs, she thought it was stupid. This, you know, you, when you watch Dairy Girls, they're not all talking about how much they hate the Queen. Not really. People live their lives in these situations and they get on with things. Right, right. Because um, they have to survive. That's their daily life. What really made me understand it this week, I was like, yeah, but it actually is different for members of a dias- of a diaspora. It's it's because that's when you start realizing how much it affected your family in ge- through generations. Right, right. My mother had family going back, I mean, way back in, over 120 years ago who um, were separated because uh, the father stole a sheep to, to feed his nine children or whatever, and they sent him to a penal col- col- colony in Australia, and then the mother had to take her nine children on a boat to America. Like, my family is full of these stories. So, and when I, really this week, I was going back, I'm like, yeah, you know, I used to argue with my parents about not, you know, it's silly to hate the English, and then I'm like, yeah. I don't hate the English and I don't hate the royal family, but I have a sudden understanding of that outpouring of emotion this week from Indian people, from Caribbean people, from Kenyan people, from Irish people. Um, 
I really felt a kinship and an understanding of what it is to be in a diaspora and, and how that sort of trauma does reverberate through your family. And it did have an effect. It wasn't a profound effect on my life, um, but it had a profound effect on my father's life and a slightly profound effect on my mother's life. So I understand it. And I, I support the right of people to say ugly, ugly things about some of the most powerful people in the world they should be able to right. handle. I mean, the very fact that you hear is is a result of whatever happened to your grandfather. Um, right. Not not that you, you know, you complain about it. And that you, no, no, no. Not that you don't have a great life here or anything. I'm not saying that. But, you know, it is what it is. It uh, is what it is. There are many of their decisions, royal family and every, you know, anything, um, affected a ton of people. Affect a lot of people. Yeah. In various parts of and the world. And I should note that it is built into my family history. I mean, a lot of Irish family histories are built in, the, the hatred of the English is built into it. But <clears throat> I was named after the Earl of Kildare, as was my father, his father. There's a lot of Thomas Fitzgeralds. And the Earl of Kildare, I think in the 14th or 15th century, um, was the heir of Croom Castle. And he, um, he he fought the British. He was known for fighting the British. He was called Silken Thomas because he he hired uh, Glaswegian soldiers who wore silken tunics and blah blah blah. And I'm I'm actually going to get his name tattooed on my arm in Gaelic um, on the anniversary of my dad's death. But um, it's endemic. It's endemic in my family. It's in my right. name. I was told this from mm-hmm. birth. Like the name of Thomas. He fought the English. Go look it up. There's a Wikipedia entry on the on the Earl of Kildare, Silken Thomas. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I didn't come from a um, kiss me, I'm Irish, diddly d <laughs> green beer Irish family. I came from an Irish family who sang the rebel songs, who knows the Gaelic phrases. And, you know, that's just how it is with my family. Right. Not every Irish American family is like that, but my family is. And I, um, I really felt it this week. I really was like, okay, now I understand a lot. Uh, right. like it just feels like my family history is being put into a lot of perspective when I watch all these other people. And I'm not taking kinship with, you know, the partition of India. I mean, there were some horrible, horrible things right. done to people. I mean, the partition of India was like 1947. It wasn't even that long ago. Uh, the Mau Mau uprising was like in 1952 in Kenya. I'm not taking, uh, I'm not claiming that sort of, I had a comfortable middle-class American life. So I I am not overstating my connection. But I, I did feel that connection for the first time. And it made me understand the anger in all of those responses. Right, and it right. makes me want to defend them. That's all I'm saying there. It's true. It's true because these people went through a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. they went through hell pretty much. Uh, a lot of things were taken from them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and she's a symbol of that. You can't yes. call her as you can't put her on the money, and the stamps, and then say she has nothing to do with any exactly. of the other exactly. stuff. Exactly. She does. Exactly. She does. She's absolutely. And if you think they have no influence or they haven't made decisions that affect the war, you're you're not. You're very naive. Well, to first think of all, that they way. were arresting people who were protesting at the funeral. Oh, they were. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. It got very dictatorial at very at various times this week. And ah, and you know, before we go further into this, I do want to note. A lot of what's about the funeral and the vigils and the marches and the queues and all that that's been going on in England this week, I find strange. But I will acknowledge, and I won't linger on this point too much, it's not my culture. Right. So, fine. I do think it's strange that people would wait in line for 30 hours to see, to walk past a coffin of someone they didn't know. But you know what? She's not my cultural well, figure. I, it's just not my culture. Yeah. When when you hear the stories about how the, the king, the queen, and royal family are not important anymore, but then you have a four-mile-long line. They say 400,000 people are going to watch her, are going right. to file past. Like, okay. So, yeah. So, I There's guess. There's clear yeah. power there. There's clear influence there. They still over care people. about their yeah. royal family. Yeah. 
All right, so let's talk about all the succession stuff. Um, first off, I just want to get it off my chest because it's so annoying. If you talk about anything about the royal family on social media, a million people will come to explain things to you that are the most basic. <laughs> and I just, I'm just saying this now because I didn't say anything. On, so I kept my mouth shut for most of it. But people are like, well, you have to understand the queen was queen for 70 years. So most people, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, you have to understand a queen consort means that the, I, I, I know. I, know. I, know. I, it, it I don't you telling me. me. It amazes me how they take a tweet and, and, and sort of assume and presume and everything based on that one tweet that right. they read like that you don't know things or that you 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 know you well, need to be I think educated. what gets most frustrating is because uh, yes and I've made this point before we've been writing about them for 11 or 12 right. years now no way would I ever call myself an expert on them not in any way shape or form but I will say you don't get to write about them for that long unless you understand mm -hmm. the titles and and the various traditions right. if you don't get that you can't really write about them um, so I did a lot of research over there. We both did. So I, again, not an expert, but I don't need to tell you, you don't need to tell me that she was queen for 70 years. You don't need to tell me what a queen consort is or that Queen Elizabeth's mother was known as the queen mother. I know all these things. These are like the basics of it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and I mean, I mean, people have, Americans have opinions about the royal family, and they don't really know much about it. So there was all this people arguing that, well, Charles isn't going to become king. They're going to make William king. I'm like, no, that's not what? how it happened. Oh, God. And uh, they'll, uh, William will never be, Catherine will never be Princess of Wales because Diana will always be. No, no, that's not how oh. it happens. That's not how it happened. Oh. The point is, everybody succeeds. They move up the ladder. Yeah, this is all that part of it and they've been waiting for that some of them really really have um oh God, are you kidding me i gotta say well i mean let's just get right to it Catherine, my god she is she turned the she, glamour lamps to 11 that girl was like i'm it i'm putting the pearls on i'm putting the brooch on she's she looked impeccable this week i have to admit we we don't do fashion commentary on things like no because, because it's tacky yeah. i mean on our site we're not going to throw up pictures and talk about her hemline or whatever but she really there are times when Catherine really knows how to turn that shit on and it she actually looked amazing at prince philip's funeral if you as have well pay atten paid attention uh her entire life her entire royal life yeah it's been it's nothing for these but big symbolic moments she is rigid. She's determined. She is very professional about the whole thing. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, you know, she does the not, job. She is a very professional royal. And member. I mean, people may not <laughs> like this, but, you know, um, side by side, because it was weird seeing the four of them together when, right. when Meg, the Sussexes and the, and the Wales that is was now. A disaster. Where, yeah. ew, I don't, how was it a disaster? It was just like chaotic because people were just looking for things like yeah but much, i wouldn't call it a disaster uh it, it, it was kind of disorganized in a way because they were so uncomfortable with well the tension there was pretty high and i i you know i i don't want to get too far into this megan looked fine she looked completely fine but there is a difference in how the two of them presented themselves and one of those women is going to be queen and the other one isn't right right so Catherine. It just had her face fully done up. In fact, I think she had a little bit too much makeup on in a couple of pictures. And I mean, she had very showy jewelry. She had jewelry that belonged to the queen, jewelry that right. belonged to Diana. And it was just, and the, I really, really, really think um, Catherine has had her outfits picked out for this week for some time now. Every coat she wore, every dress right, she wore, I was course. like, holy shit, that is some high quality, impeccable stuff. Megan looked 
perfectly I'm I'm there's no criticism of Megan but uh this isn't her week where she becomes princess of Wales or when people right. people are now looking at Catherine as the next queen because they really don't seem to want Camilla to be the queen um so Catherine is really super duper stepping up Megan shouldn't have to be so this is not a criticism of her but there is a stark difference and it is one of the things that um um Let's talk about the the Harry and Meghan. I, I I think it's foolish to get too caught up in Harry and Meghan drama because I don't even think they want it this week. However, their children became prince and princess, correct? Right. Uh, Lilibet and Archie are now Prince Archie. They just don't have prince. the... H- they don't have the HRH. Yeah. And now there are reports coming out that they're pissed off about that. But honestly, I would take all that with a huge grain of salt. These... these there have been so many of these um, anonymous reports that turned out to not right, be true. Right, so right. their kids got the titles and um, we had a little argument about this before we flipped the mics on because you just roll your eyes at the whole thing. Like, why was this even important to them? But Harry grew up in a system where that was considered, that is important. Yeah, but and the whole it felt is- like a huge, from his perspective, right? it felt like a huge slap and a, a, from his family to not grant them those titles. The grandchildren of the sovereign, um, they don't automatically, but they become prince and princess because some of Queen Elizabeth's grandchildren are not prince and princess. Uh, the only princes are Harry and, and and William, and then the only princesses are Beatrice and Eugenie. Edward's children and Anne's children do not have um, prince or princess titles, and those were the choices of their parents. But Harry wanted it because his father was going to be king, and it was, it was something that his children were... Uh, you know, they were allowed to have it. But didn't he give all that up? No, he did not give all that up. He's still Prince Harry. Yeah, but he doesn't want any of that. No, that see, this is the part where we argued about. He didn't give all that up. He walked away because one of the things, one of the reasons he walked away is because he felt it was racist that his children didn't have titles. So... All I'm saying is you can call that, you can roll your eyes at it, but his brother's children all got to prince and princesses titles upon birth. And you can say, well, he's going to be the king, but that's actually not why they got them. They got them because he's they're the grandchildren of the king. Um, so if Harry wanted them, they should have been granted to his children no matter what, because that is the protocol. And to to not do it was punitive. It was clearly punitive on the part of Buckingham Palace. All I'm saying now is we can roll our eyes at at Mm. him being hurt over this or whatever, but um, Charles is making concessions and the palace is making concessions to Harry. Um, He's winning several battles this week, whether he's fighting behind the scenes or not. One is that his children are now prince and princess, and the other one is that they just came out and said that he could wear his military uniform to the vigil of the eight grandchildren Mm -hmm. or standing vigil around her coffin on Saturday. That's major. I think he's winning all these battles and because it, they just don't want the scandal. They just don't want the newspapers to, you know, the tabloids and everybody to start talking about what he's not getting and how annoyed he is and everything. So I think they're just trying to make a situation, you know, make every everybody look happy and right. and, and, and focus on the queen and not the, you know, the side drama. We'll see. I um I said all along I never thought this story was done. Um I'm not suggesting that Harry and Meghan will be brought back into the senior royal fold as working senior royals because that would be such a disruption of their life right now, but I don't think that story's over. Um I think their role in the family is not def- not definitive yet. I, I I um it's very early days. Charles 
clearly um, has had plans in place from from the jump, and he has been hitting the ground running as king to make sure that people understand that he's king. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. He and Camilla followed the coffin all over. They went to Belfast. They went to Wales. They went to Edinburgh. They're ready. The man has been ready it, for. He's been ready, and the plans are in place. And um, he's taking all on all the trappings of power with a lot of great ease and comfort. And you know, a lot of I said this on social media. People were comparing it to his mother's. There's no no comparison. She was 26. She was a woman in 1952. She was completely unprepared for right, it, and right. she was young. He's 73 and a man, and he's waited his, his whole life. life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Elizabeth didn't even find out she was going to be the, uh, the queen until she was like 12 years old when her uncle abdicated. She wasn't born into the role. He was, and he's had plans his whole life. Um, and part of those plans are going to involve whether for for benevolent reasons or simply for political reasons, trying to heal uh, yeah. some of the cracks in his family. And his, and so not just whatever's going on with Meghan and Harry, um, but he's really going to push the Queen Camilla thing. What I think is interesting is how much the press refuses to call her Queen Camilla. Mm-hmm. It's Camilla Queen Consort or Queen Consort Camilla. But most of the queens in England's history were Queen Consort. There are only like seven rule reg what are they called? Regent queens. Queen, no. Regnal queens? I can't remember. Queens who rule. You know, like Victoria, mm-hmm. Elizabeth mm-hmm. I, Elizabeth II. And uh, they were called queens. They were, but the, all the ones that married ruling kings were just called queens. Uh, queen Elizabeth's mother was a queen consort, but she was called Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth's grandmother was a queen consort, but she was called Queen Mary. But they refused to call her queen. I, there's so much tiptoeing around it. I right. noticed on the royal family's social media, they, they tend to refer to her as the queen consort. Because they're just being very gentle. Like, uh, Well, first way, off, the know, queen meant act. one thing and one thing only to uh, most of the planet. You know what I mean? Most English-speaking people in the world, when you say the queen, there's one figure, and now she's gone. And the person that they is technically the new queen, even though she's not a ruling queen, um, she has a spotty past with the public because she broke up the king's marriage to a beloved princess. Um, So they're they're tiptoeing around this. I did notice that after a couple of days, I think the New York Times referred to her as Queen Camilla in a headline, because that is... It's not the proper form. She is, um, it's sort of like Catherine and Diana. Diana was Diana, Princess of Wales. You were not really supposed to refer to her as Princess Diana. That was a shortcut that the press used. It's Diana, Princess of Wales. Um, but it, it's the same thing with Catherine. They're going right. to call her Princess Catherine. They're not going to call her Catherine, Princess of Wales every time they address her. Everyone's, They're going to call her Princess. So it's yeah. the same thing with Camilla. And I actually think people are probably going to latch onto it quicker than sooner rather than later. It's amazing how quickly King Charles III just became. I know. It's, everybody just everybody, found that yeah, normal. It's God save the king now. It's God save the king. I mean, that's how that works. And it's how it's worked for right. couple, I just find uh, over a thousand years. That, that here we are again, keeping going on with the tradition for, for yeah. God knows how long. Yeah. I mean, it's not my place to say I uh, agree. whether it's right or wrong for that country i mean that england itself is very divided on the monarchy and um here's what i want to we talked about this before the mics were turned on about how people talk about elizabeth's service and her years of service all that's very true and it's very impressive however her service was less to the country as it was to the institution her service was to the monarchy to make sure that the monarchy survived to make sure that people 
did not turn on the monarchy. Every decision, pretty much. I mean, Which is it, why she yeah. she was, you know, she never complained, never explained, right. and she, she tried not to take positions on anything. So, yes, it's service in the sense that it was 70 years of her, you know, cutting ribbons and giving speeches and, and doing all sorts of stuff that, frankly, sounds very tiresome. But it, she really was in service to keeping her own seat of power and passing it on to her children because... Put aside all the romanticizing of castles and this lovely grandmotherly figure, that is entirely the role of a queen or a king, is to ensure that they maintain power and then pass that. It has always been the role right. of a queen or king. And that's what she did for 70 years, is that she kept the monarchy alive when the Commonwealth was, uh, you know, when the empire was falling apart. Um and she's handing it to a son who isn't always very popular with the public, and most people question whether he's going to be able to keep it it's going. And and if he's going to make changes, we'll see. He is going uh, to make changes. Let's see. Let's. I mean, I that's think, why I think the Harry and Meghan thing right. got over. I think changes are necessary. I mean, we talked about the the uh, all these post-colonial uh, conversation of any issues going on right now because of you know because of this. Right. She, okay, she's dead. So. Are we are we changing this or are we going to keep it the same? Is not. Um, I think Charles is more politically astute than people give him credit for. Um, you know, people recently have started saying, you know, he was really ahead of the uh, the you know curve on things like climate change and stuff like that, and that's because he's not a dumb man, right? Um, and he does, unlike perhaps his mother, he has a better understanding of where the world is heading, right? Um, my point being. Regardless of whether we think he's racist or not, or moral or not, he has good reasons to want to try and heal a, a lot of these divisions, um, especially with these countries. There are Commonwealth countries who are openly talking about, you know, once again, cutting ties. And I think he he it's likely that he will address some of this stuff uh, in a manner his mother just simply could not. And whether that's good right. for the um, monarchy, and I don't know, but I think it's probably the right thing to do. Um, talking about his plans for the monarchy, I think we can expect that Andrew is going to disappear quietly and just go away somewhere to a country house um, with Fergie because they're they're still together. They they're divorced, but they've been living together ever since. Um, there's a lot of talk about what happens to Princess Anne. She technically doesn't have power in this situation at all. She's like 16th in line to the throne, but she was beloved by her mother. Her mother right. really relied Protected on her. A lot by her and mother, she yeah. is the hardest working royal. And she has, I think, the highest um like uh likability factor or whatever. People really generally admire they do her. Like her. Yeah. And there's been some talk that he's going to do something to elevate her position, which um Omid Scobie, the royal reporter, said there was talks of some elevated title for her, but I they're really she's a princess. They're the only title above princess I mean, is queen and he get? can't yeah. do that. But um I was shocked to find that she doesn't sit on the Queen's Council, which is now the King's Council, which is a small council of mostly family members who, when they reach the age of 21, really? huh. Harry's on it, William's on it, um, oh. Andrew's still on it, Princess Beatrice is on it, obviously William's on it, um, but she's not. And that hmm. really surprised me. And this is what I mean. Technically, she does not have a lot of power, but she always did have power within the family. And there's talk of him solidifying that for her. So right. maybe he's going to put her on the king's council. And the other thing is, their father's title is still f f um, floating around. There is no Duke of Edinburgh. He could make her Duchess of Edinburgh, which would be a tremendous um, honor for her. However, 
The rumor was for years that Edward, who never got a dukedom upon his marriage, was supposed to be gifted. That He was supposed to become Duke of Edinburgh. But his father died a year ago, and they still haven't given it to him. Um, so these are all the things floating around. I know. Around. It's interesting. And, and back to um, Harry and, and Meghan. I mean, I can't imagine a king not having a relationship or, or having troubles with his son. You know, no. that That just doesn't look good. Um, so they, they're going to have to patch up somehow. I think what, what you're likely to see in the next few years, first of all, let's just uh, be real here. Charles is 73. And while his mother and his grandmother were long lived and his father, um, I don't think Charles is a particularly healthy man. Maybe I shouldn't. He doesn't look like a particularly healthy man. That's all I'll say about that. He is bright red and clearly suffers from inflammation issues and, that's all I'll say about that. I just don't think he'll necessarily live to his 100th birthday. I don't think we're looking at a 25-year reign here. It's possible. But, uh, you know, he really only has to hold on for about 15 to 20 years and hold on to the moniker and pass it on to William. That's really what everyone wants him to do. That's yeah. his role. And I do think he does understand that, which is why he wants everything very streamlined and he's cutting out a lot of the family. Like, Elizabeth had lots and lots and lots of beloved cousins and family members that she just granted titles and castles to left, right, and center, and he's cutting all that out. Um, there's talk that they're going to get rid of Balmoral, which actually shocks me hmm. because their mother loved it so much. It was bought by Queen Victoria. I mean, it has real history in the family. But they are going... I mean, he. there's a lot of talk that he's not going to live at Buckingham Palace, um, that no one's going to live at Buckingham Palace um, because it's a terrible place to live and it'll all be turned over to administrative offices like the White House. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, uh, when it comes to Harry and Meghan, my final thought is this. I, in the next couple of years, I think what you'll see is Harry and Meghan will remain in America because um, it's they staked their they planted their flag and for them to uproot it now and go back i don't think either one of them would like how that looks it would be interesting but i yeah, think you see. will see them taking more trips over and they will be you know extended trips like this current one where they've been right. in england for like two weeks and well, making various happens, appearance they'll I'm do that sort of thing if that happens i'm interested in the tone because spotify was already like <laughs> listening to all the podcasts and making sure there was nothing you know right. bad about the queen and they were trying to clean know. up the home you know, I think the the as I said, I think the media has been uh, the American media. Forget the British media. Of course, I would expect them to go over the right. top on this. I do think some of them are being unprofessional, but whatever. Not my country. But when I see people like Jake Tapper on CNN just practically weeping over the Queen's service, I'm like, Jesus Christ, have a little. <laughs> She's not our Queen, and right. you can talk right. about her as a figure, but. You should also, as an American journalist, talk about, okay, this is an ancient right that uh, claims that Charles is being appointed by God, and let's all be clear that that's what's happening here. Yeah, but you have to remember, most of the complaints about Bill and Kathy are Americans complaining when we write Bill and Kathy. Right, well, I know, there's a... Yeah, they're all me, Americans. I know that they're all a, Americans. They're the sending us emails and nasty comments about us calling them Bill and Kathy. And I'm telling you right now, it's officially Princess Kathy from here on out. <laughs> I will miss Kathy Cambridge. I really, really will miss calling her Kathy Cambridge. Um, but she's actually the Duchess of Cornwall in Cambridge. So briefly, I was like, maybe we'll just call her Kathy Cornwall Cambridge. And then Charles came out. I didn't think that was going to happen so quickly. Charles just came out immediately and said, mm. boom, they're the new prince and princess of Wales. Like, I thought there was going to be an investiture the way Charles had one. But um, he's, oh, he's also talking about a much more scaled back coronation. He doesn't want them spending really? insane amounts of money on it the huh. way they did for the, the countries. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going hungry in England. I don't and, buy that for a minute, but we'll see. I do. I okay. do. Again, I don't think he's stupid. 
Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, a king. I think he's a prince. I think he's someone who was raised to believe he was better than other people. So I don't think I'd like him very much. But I also don't think he's dumb. I think, and he I think he's smarter about the role going into it than his mother ever was. I think he understands backlash better than she did. Oh, yes. Well, he, I mean, his whole life. He blew about- up his whole life in a way that she never did. Yeah. So he understands that. He does understand that. Um, and that's all. Uh, Our talk on succession and royals and thrones. Um, Let us us know what you think. If you're mad at me for comparing (laughs) Meghan and Kathy, I'm sorry, but that's going to follow them for the rest of their lives. Boo-hoo, they're rich. Um, and we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes and crosses our desk. I promise it won't be the royal family because I'm even I'm tired of talking about them. Well, Monday's a big day, so... I, we're not going to like lie. No, no, no. But my live that block the funeral. But or whatever. my point is, it's not over yet. Yeah, Monday is going to be another. I don't day. really watch any of that stuff. I will watch the vigil when the grandchildren stand at her coffin because I think that's kind of right. poignant. And Harry will be in uniform, so that'll be a big moment. All right. Um, until we're back next week with whatever crossed our eyes or crossed our desk. Take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye bye.